Hey everyone, Kevin here. Just letting you know that we've decided to release a t-shirt just ahead of the holiday season. So go to entheogenshow.com and check out our t-shirt starting at $25. Uh, help support the show and the cause. This is Entheogen. We talk about tools for generating the divine within. It's November 25th, 2015, and we're talking about the 20th anniversary of Arrowhead. So Arid is a website uh, for researching drugs, basically. Um, that about sums it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're kind of launching into this um, on the on the back of an article written in the New Yorker by Emily Witt uh, in the uh, November twenty third issue, uh, and it's all about the twentieth anniversary of Arrowhead. So congratulations to Arrowhead for twenty years in operation. Here, That's here. A huge here, milestone. Here. Yeah, I, I, I like to say that I've been conscious for at least fifteen of those. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So what what is your your guys' history of uh, uh, you know with the site Arrowhead? I'll just speak for myself. Um, I, I had this job, a corporate job, about uh, 15 years ago or so. And, um, you know, of course, it was had a sort of budding interest in uh, in psychedelics, et cetera. And, you know, found Arrowhead. Um, and uh, just would spend, like, all day at my, at my desk job just reading trip reports and, and just, like, filing away knowledge in my brain about, you know, d- the threshold dose and the maximum dose of various uh, substances and... Uh, just, just, re- just reading Arrowhead all day long. So a huge wealth of information on there. Is that what people who had office jobs did before Facebook, Joe? Is that what <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in fact, I, I got the site, um, blocked from this job. Um, you know, <laughs> one day <laughs> if you're going to get a site blocked, you know, <laughs> one, one day we had, to, I, uh, we had to block Joe. He was looking at drugs all day. Exactly. Well, I, you know, I showed up for work one day and, you know, had my coffee and, and sat down at my desk, kind of like, you know, cracked my knuckles and, and sat down to work and fired up Arrowhead. And, uh, it said something about like this another day at work, (laughs) exactly. Just another busy day, you know? And, um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I got this, was met with a warning, like, you know, this, this site has, has been, uh, blocked, uh, by, you know, by your corporate overlords, uh, due to, you know, whatever content, drug content or something like that. And it wasn't long thereafter I, I quit the job. So, uh, oh, sad. Just could not work without it. Sad ending to that story. Yeah. I was, I guess you could say I was pretty hooked on Arrowhead. (laughs) <laughs> Had a big Arrowhead problem. It's a well, gateway website. Absolutely. My first experience with Arrowhead uh, was in, I discovered it in 1999. It was, well, I had a little bit of a run in with the police um, when I was 17, and I was caught with uh, ecstasy and pot at the time. And so I was, I was arrested, but there was a pretty progressive program that I had the benefit of taking part in. So I was assigned a pretrial intervention officer and, you know, I had to go to, to drug counseling and therapy and, and various things. And one of the uh, sort of boxes that I had to check to complete this, this program was I had to write a, a research paper on the things that I was caught with. So I, I was tasked with, and there was no slant. It wasn't that I needed to, you know, say why these things are bad per se. It was just, you know, collect information, present it in a paper. And it's funny when I think back, I I wonder if the intent was, you know, if people learn about these insidious substances, they won't be as inclined to to take them. (laughs) Or start podcasts about them. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, you know, and if ignorance is bliss, if you don't know about it and you can have fun with it, maybe if, you know, people are informing themselves, they'll know better than to take these things. And it, in 
it worked quite the opposite. Like the more information that I found on both pot and ecstasy, the more I discovered that it's not as insidious as the establishment would want you to believe. And so it was while doing research for this paper that I came across Arrow late 90s and sort of web 1.0 there there wasn't a lot of information available and this was one of the few places that didn't just have information but had a, a great wealth of information you know like Joe you mentioned sort of personal anecdotes but also you know far more scientific components you know the chemical breakdown you know how does it affect your brain chemistry and it was a, an awesome resource for for that particular um, you know need that I had for it and that was now, yeah late 90s now Brad did you ask for some of your uh, some of what was possessed back so that you could f- you know further your research oh well, yeah no they were really cool about, about that See, yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no no I swear it's from my bibliography <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. It just goes to show you just how how the, you know um, the establishment sort of it believes that these things are so bad that if you just understood you know these substances the way they do, you know surely you wouldn't be uh, tempted anymore. But it, like you said, it's quite the opposite. Well, it also yeah. sums up sort of the whole uh, ethos of the all the drug programs we were subjected to as kids. Uh, you know, and I know in our area it was dare and i'm sure in other parts of the country it was a different program but it just seems like we spent our entire childhood getting more and more uh information you know to just to, to give it a name but uh and, and none of it turned out to be very true and it, it kind of worked uh in the opposite way yeah just say no was was the other yeah. other you know the slogan of the dare program i guess dare was i guess drug abuse <laughs> resistance education and uh yeah, it just, I mean, it was just absurd. It was a lot of outdated information. You know, it was a lot of really stale, just, I mean, we learned about like barbiturates, like, I, sure. I mean, I still have never encountered one in the wild. You know, I don't <laughs> even know what that is. <laughs> I'll look it up on Arrowhead, I guess. <laughs> well, what about you, Kev? When did you, do you remember like coming across this website I, at know, any point? I, I have to say, like, while I was reading the article, I don't remember exactly when the, you know, when the first time I looked at Arrowhead was. It was kind of a, uh, a page that I started consulting after some time because they, like like they say the information's just so good, and uh, particularly I found the the whole dosage uh, part interesting. Uh, if we're gonna talk about dare and and then just say no, I think I probably would have said no if they hadn't given me so much information about all this stuff, you know. And uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, the more they tell you, it's like I might have said no, but you you know you guys definitely ruined that, and. Um, you know, I think I you know people talk about pot being a, a gateway drug, or that at least that was part of the Dare program. And I remember thinking like, well, yeah, it is a gateway drug because of the way you guys explain everything. You make pot seem so bad, which all of us or eighty percent of us are inevitably going to try. That when we try pot and we realize it's great, we're just not going to believe anything else you said before. We're going to try everything after that. <laughs> right. So it's only a gateway yeah. drug. It was a framing made, issue. Exactly. That's just. Bad PR, definitely. And then, like, so it was that. It was that once. Uh, once I did start trying things, I would go to Arrowhead to consult the dosage charts because, as they mentioned, I think one of their missions, you know, is is getting as much information as possible out there. And the number one thing that's missing in an illegal market is dosage, which is the most important thing. Yeah, there's no label on the on the little baggie, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
so the, I, I really enjoyed the article. I mean, it's, it's in the New Yorker, and so it's, it's pretty great writing. So it's an, it's, I enjoyed reading it just from that sense. But I was, man, I, was, I found it really fascinating to learn the story of the, the two people who started the website, Earth, Earth and Fire Arrowhead. There's kind of a man and woman, like a two-person team. Um, and it was really cool learning, you know, like that's what a lot of what the article focused on is them. And uh, and their story, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, like a, like a lot of things, it's it's been a labor of love. You know, they've uh, they started the site, um, I guess in like right ninety five. You know, twenty years ago, and uh, they they started it out of a desire to um, to you know to collect and sort of curate this information and, and put it out there, make it available to people. Um, they had kind of a little bit of a hobby of, um, you know, bringing together some materials that they were able to find locally. Uh, you know, the article mentions how they, they would drive to like a library to, um, you know, to, to like photocopy some, some materials that they would find yeah. there. I mean, that was the extent of, you know, access back then, um, you know, driving two hours to a library to photocopies, you know, a couple pages from a probably outdated book and, and things like that. Um, and so they had these materials and they, they brought them together, uh, you know, on the site for other people to have access and, you know, that, that what a great, uh, like what a great beginning. And it's just really just continued out of that very core mission of, of, you know, as, as they put it on the site, documenting the complex relationship between humans and psychoactives. And that's a pretty broad definition, but I think it's very fitting. Sure, and I th don't you think it, it suits the whole? I mean, I think when we talk about um, the, the different sides or the different you know attitudes you can have towards an argument, I think you know you think about all of that that drug education uh, we received, and I don't know if it was helpful for anybody. I mean, I, I guess if there are people who have never done any drugs and believe that that's a good thing, then they feel like that education helped them. But I certainly don't feel that way, and I I have the feeling that probably most people don't feel that way. Um, and I just think of, you know, something as simple as Arrowwood, like the, the dosage charts, I mean, all those years sitting through classes about different substances and the only way that education had any meaning was if you didn't try anything ever, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, really, it's like, you know, you look at Arrowwood for five minutes and it's like, th these guys did me a massive favor because I had already decided I was going to do something. Uh, I just needed to know how much of it to do. Well, there's a clear parallel with, uh, you know, like abstinence only sex education. You sure. Know? It's the same exact thing. It's like a, just uh, it's a complete absence of of information. Um, that's the Pol name of the game. Like you know, policy you, of ignorance. Yeah, exactly. And and how how well does that work for people? You know, that's it's cl clearly doesn't work. So um, sure. And and I can't see any argument for for making that information prohibited in any way. I mean, uh, how how can you possibly defend the position that it's not good? You know, it's like they don't want to go past there. It's like you shouldn't do it, and then that's it. But, you know, they don't tell you what you're supposed to do if you are going to do it. And, and I think uh, that that would be – that's a very noble cause is trying to help people. You know, you've made a decision already and now I'm going to help you make within that realm – the realm of that decision make the, the, you know, the best choices possible so that it turns out positively for you. Right. And, and to do so, you know, to be as helpful as possible um, toward the end of the article, Fire had mentioned how like the goal is to be accurate. You know, they, it's not. They they talk about also in the article how there are certain warnings. You know that they'll they'll post. You know, if certain substance has been known to make people ill or you know be harmful. You know, they want people to know that. But it's it's the purpose isn't you know have all this information so you can avoid it or even expressing an opinion as to whether or not 
anyone should or shouldn't be doing this at all. The way that I think they feel like they can be most helpful is to put a lot of effort into uh, reviewing a lot of information and kind of calling it down to get it as accurate as possible. You know, obviously not peer-reviewed scientific journals, but you know, there are some statistics that I don't have off the top of my head in the article where it's like they read, you know, hundreds or thousands of of anecdotes, and they actually have volunteers like a triage that will read them and you know, they'll kind of filter them down to the point where, you know, I think FIRE does a lot of the curating of what gets posted. And so it's important to them that people can make their own decisions if they have accurate information. And that seems to be the priority for them is to be as accurate as possible. Sure. And then not everything goes. I think they they also make the point that, you know, for example, they if somebody told the story in which they were intoxicated in driving, well, that that's not, you know, that's not something they believe in. So there is uh, while they are not um, censoring anything, it's it's almost like they there's a filter in which their own values about everything uh, have to pass through. It's a tough line to walk uh, because you know it, I mean it comes off a little bit as a cover your ass kind of situation if they're just saying like you know sure. hey you, you, by the way like you know like editor's note you probably shouldn't drive on this substance. Um, you know, nonetheless, they're, they're obviously posting stories of people doing so, uh, in, in those cases. Um, and the article also brings up the fact that they, they don't specifically take a stand against anything that might be particularly harmful. Um, you know, and some people obviously have the opinion that they would like to see them take a stand against, you know, say heroin or something like that. Um, yeah. but you know, I, I like the sort of pure, um, approach that they have, which is like, it's just information. We're putting information out there. We're trying not to be too opinionated about it, you know, in, in the same way that a library does, you know, you, you gather the information, you let people make their own informed decisions. Don't you think that that brings up, uh, you know, I, I, you know, thinking about the articles, the, it, there seems to be this inherent position on the conservative side of, uh, of drugs, which is that this sort of information makes people more likely to do drugs. Uh, or, or leads to uh, more negative consequences. I don't know what you guys think about that. Well, wh- I mean, which drugs? You know, like it, it leads people to to know about drugs, and and maybe some people will decide to to try them because information is available. Good. Yeah. Or like yeah, in the case of you, Kevin, the way you're describing, like, all right, I've kind of psyched myself up to having this experience. I want to try this. And now here's a, a place where I can I can read information, and who knows? Like give, like Joe said, given the substance, maybe it's something that you read and it's pretty daunting. You're like, well, shit, I don't want to do that, you know. Or conversely, it's something that you you read and it sounds very appealing and it sounds you know relatively safe and and enjoyable, and yeah, it might make you more inclined to want to try that particular thing. Sure, and I think you know going back and and kind of reflecting on my own experience, I I mean I think it was. And I don't think it was the drug education at school, but I think, you know, from a very early time, there were substances that I had curiosity about. I hadn't necessarily decided to try them, but th- then there were definitely other substances that I did have, I had no curiosity about, and I knew that those were not for me. So I, I think it's kind of, um, I don't know, it's almost, it's just so arrogant on the part of someone designing a drug curriculum to... I don't know to to blanket everything in the in the same you know. Well, yeah, those lines are incredibly hard to draw. To say like you know th- this is okay to put information out there 
about this substance um, and, and kind of position it in this way versus this other substance, which, you know, we, we all agree we what shouldn't talk about. I mean, it's it's a really complicated situation. Yeah. What, one uh, aspect that the article shed light on that I hadn't really considered before is, you know, I think for us, our personal experience with the website has been to collect information for our own personal use. But it was cool reading about uh, doctors, you know, who, who've stumbled upon Arrowwood and they've, they've found it to be an incredibly helpful source of information, you know, for people who work in the ER and, and they, they have people coming to them, you know, who've taken several like different substances and they were saying how it's hard for them to find good information on it. And they, a lot of doctors have started using Arrowwood, um, so they can better treat their patients. Sure, and imagine with all the research being shut down for so long that, uh, you know, imagine the information that doctors do have uh, on certain things is, is you know, almost non-existent. And, uh, and also, this is something that, uh, because I happen to know uh, a lot of doctors, I, I have talked to them about, and it, it, uh, it, many have said that to me. It's, you know, if someone comes into an emergency room on um, a lot of substances, we actually have no... You know, we have no information on that. We don't really know what to do. You know, we know how to sedate them. We know how to treat them well and get them back on the right path. But we definitely don't have very good definitive information on the substance and what the best way to handle the situation is. Mm-hmm. So there's a quote that I liked uh, in the article um, from a – his name's Edward W. Boyer. He's the chief medical toxicology uh, – chief of medical toxicology in the Department of Emergency Medicine at UMass um, in Worcester. And, you know, he, he even kind of says, like, this is his quote, quote from him. My first thought was, it's really bad. People are potentially learning online about new drugs to abuse. You know, and that was his first reaction to it in 1997 when he came across it. And then just a few years later, he actually wrote a research letter to the New England Journal of Medicine um, alleging that Arrowhead and other websites are outperforming the federal anti-drug sites, um, you know, on when people are searching for this on the internet, these things are showing up more than the quote unquote official information. And there's another great quote from Boyer. He says, "I thought I, I thought a, that was I, I thought that was for me. Brad. I thought uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they finally. They're after uh, me. Uh, They're after we, we, by the way, you failed that paper. It's <laughs> <laughs> finally caught up to you. <laughs> yeah. Six Sorry. years of yeah. attention. On this topic of how doctors can use the website, there's a guy, Edward Boyer. Um, who, when he first discovered the website in '97, there's a quote of his that says, "My first thought was it's really bad. People are potentially learning online about new drugs to abuse." And then, just a few years later, uh, in a research letter that he wrote to, looks like the New England Journal of Medicine, he's just observing that if you do an internet search, you know, for certain drugs, that Arrowhead's showing up. They're outperforming these federally funded sites. Um, you know, the uh, sort of the official information, quote unquote. And so four years later in 2001, this is another quote of his. He says, we emergency physicians pride ourselves on being pretty close to the street. Arrowhead just blew the doors off what we do. Hmm. I mean, is it any surprise, you know, that, the, that uh, a site that prides itself on, on, uh, you know, on, on accurate information about psychoactives would do a better job of informing the public about them than mm-hmm. the federal government who's, you know, who preaches abstinence-only drug education? Totally. Yeah, it's just cool to see that validated, you know, from the perspective of a doctor who's even in his own admission at first thought was a pretty 
worried, you know, when he learned that this existed. And then the more he looked into it, the more he could see the benefit for himself and for, you know, people uh, generally speaking. Totally. Yeah. And, and speaking of uh, doctors, they bring up the the obvious double standard that, that exists when it comes to uh, things that are permitted like like alcohol and pharmaceutical drugs. And interestingly enough, they actually even mentioned football at one point yeah, uh, because of the, the numerous head injuries and all of the, uh, the resulting physical and, uh, and mental problems that, that uh, have been in the news recently with concussions. And, and I thought that part was really interesting. You know, it's, yeah, uh, and furthermore, like when, when they're watching football, one of the things they're taking note of is – what are the commercials that are airing during football <laughs> yeah. games? You know, it's for like uh, Viagra. You know, it's for alcohol. It's for, you know, various drugs. They're drugs. You know, they're not drugs in the the way, you know, we categorize a lot of the other things. But they're just seeing that this is an incredibly massive, like this is entertainment. And this is being put on the TVs and broadcast to the world. And we're seeing inundated with advertisement for these drugs. And it's like, well, you know, how much information is there about these even? Sure. And I would, I would even argue, you know, going back to the point about dosages, I mean, they're, they're, the difference between uh, alcohol, pharmaceuticals, and then, in, uh, and, and then psychedelics and, and the rest is that uh, in the case of alcohol and pharmaceuticals, uh, you A, know what you're getting, and B, you know how much of it to take. Uh, and that's probably, you know, that's the biggest difference with the with the illegal market. It's that, uh, you know, you have to be very careful about what you're getting and, you know, what exactly it is because we're never 100% sure on, on, you know, the composition. And, and then also the, the, the dosage, you know, is that why don't we have you – know, we have enough problems with alcohol and pharmaceuticals as it is. Why don't we have a lot more problems? Well, you know, we know how to take them, you know. Whether we do that or not is another question, but we know – how they're supposed to be taken, right? They're labeled appropriately, and and you know that uh, you know what, what it says on the label is is typically what's what's in the bottle. Sure, I'd, I'd love to hear one of those uh, one of those dare proponents, uh, conservative politicians arguing for uh, you know alcohol prohibition or uh, you know or or, <laughs> or or putting you know whatever you know whatever the, the pharmaceutical like of choice is these days, like oxycontin or. Ambien or one of those, you know, you know, knocking that off or, Vi- or Viagra, like a sixty-five-year-old sure. congressman, <laughs> 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 old white dudes. <laughs> those guys should try LSD before they take the Viagra. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a good point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Another cool thing that, yeah, man, it was so fun learning about these guys and, you know, they, when they ended up moving, you know, in the mid-90s out to the West Coast, it was shortly thereafter that they just happened to be introduced to the Shulgans, you know, the uh, Alexander Shulgan, the, the guy who synthesized um, MDMA and several other psychoactives. And it was cool to hear that just reference. I got, I got a little starstruck. I'm like, whoa. They they're cool and yeah. they know cool people, right? You know, it's actually they. Uh, I I read Alexander Shulgin's book, which is called the. Well, he has a few, but the first one's called uh, Pical. It's like phenethylamines. Oh, yeah. I've 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 known and loved. Mm-hmm. You know, which in itself is a quite the title, <laughs> but uh, you know, Shulgin was amazing because I think I don't know how many substances he synthesized, but hundreds and. Um, and they mentioned in the article the the famous FND, the Friday night dinners. And uh, so Shogun would develop a substance in his laboratory. And once he was sure that it was safe and that it was, you know, of interest, 
he would try it, uh, I think normally with his wife first. And then when, when they had their first experience and they thought it was worth uh, spreading on, they would have their famous Friday night dinners and invite over a very select crowd in order to uh, try the substance in a group. And then Shulgin apparently would take very extensive notes on this and it would factor uh, – he had a whole system for – uh, describing the experiences and evaluating the substances and then he would decide whether or not this is something he should uh, do some further research on. So that is a very, very select group. Going to a Shulgin Friday night dinner must have been uh, quite a hoot. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> That's where he would he would employ the uh, the Shulgin rating scale, you know, the, the plus, yeah. plus one, plus two situation. Which is kind of Orwellian, right? It's like, uh, that was a double plus good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> plus four is a rare and precious transcendental state which has been called a peak experience a religious experience divine transformation state of samadhi and many other names in other cultures shogun has a uh i think it was when he took uh 2cb which we were talking about doing an, an episode on at some point but when he uh when he took 2cb i think it was the first time that he describes uh discovering the the cosmos within and I love that that uh, that expression. I think it's an expression that's come back to me many, many times when I've been. Uh, and I may be wrong about which substance he did that on, but I, that's a, that's definitely a Shulgin quote. But uh, but yeah, just the, the the scale of things and uh, and kind of that that mystical experience. So if only there was some way that we could talk to someone or a couple people who have been to these Friday night dinners. If only. This is a great teaser for an upcoming episode of Entheogen, in which we interview Earth and Fire Arrowhead, none other than... None other than... Man, how cool is that going to be? I'm really excited. Yeah, it's going to be very, very cool. So uh, I think I think I'm going to thank them for like getting me through high school and college. That's what I think. Of. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you know, Brad. You, you should have. If you had met them earlier, you may have avoided some serious legal problems. <laughs> right. Well, I, they did kind of help me in a way. I was able to complete my my uh you know little curriculum and and because of that i didn't have to you know go to go to jail you know i was able to successfully complete my program and continue to go on to college and live the life i led and make all the bad decisions uh, uh <laughs> yeah I, I, you've I, told you've told i mean according to dare you're pretty much a massive disaster <laughs> but you know i have to i have to say like i was i was watching uh and i can't remember his name right now but the i was watching the colbert show the other night uh, late night with Stephen Colbert and there was a there was an interview with I believe it's the governor of Kentucky right now and Kentucky was uh one of the state well I think is the only state recently which has had a marijuana uh had marijuana legislation on the ballot and it was actually rejected and the governor was one of the big um one one of the big proponents of knocking down that legislation and campaigned heavily against it and I thought Colbert was really, really good. He drew him into a very good debate on on the entire issue. And at the end, he asked him very bluntly, you know, have you tried marijuana in your life? And to everyone's surprise, I think, the governor said he did. And he tried it and everything. And Stephen Colbert said, you know, is it fair to ask you then that do you think uh, if you had been caught for doing that at some point in your life, you might not today be the governor of Kentucky? Wow. And I thought that was a really great question and it just made me think, Brad, when you're telling your story, you know, it's great to laugh about that story right now. But that story is way too typical in, in the United States and it's uh, 
normally a, a turning point in the otherwise normal life of a person right. that uh, that can just lead them down such a terrible path. You know, and it it doesn't matter how you look at it. If you want to look at it on a micro level and think about you know how shitty that is for that person that that you know their life has changed course in such a dramatic way and they missed opportunities and just all these different things may have changed in their life. And then to look at it from a macro view of a society, I mean, is a society utilizing its human capital well when somebody can be completely disregarded for something as stupid and trivial trivial as that? Yeah, agreed. That's definitely yeah, worth, yeah. worth consideration. If you if you had been like what one year older, I mean, you, it could have been well, very different, right? I mean, if I was ten days later, no shit, it was ten days before my eighteenth birthday. Wow, wow, was very fortunate, you know, and it's totally not lost on me. And um, yeah, my life would be very, very different than it is now. And honestly, like the the. It was in Florida, and the fact that that program even existed, it was a pretty progressive program, and I'm thankful that even that much was available. That you know, even if it was just a few years earlier, even though as a minor, I might not have had the opportunity to continue to um, to go. Because do you, do you ever see the movie Traffic? Um, yeah, where the, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Michael Douglas is the politician, and his daughter yeah. gets caught, and there's that scene where. She's talking to the social worker, and the social worker's like, "You've got a scholarship to college. You're in all these programs. You got good grades. Like, what are you doing here?" Like, that was essentially the situation I was in. Like, that was very much like because at the time I'd already had an academic scholarship to go to college at a state to a private university, and I had all these great things going for me, and I was just you know, it, it, and it's doing doing something that isn't implicitly stupid, but I was doing it in a stupid way. Don't get me wrong, I like deserve to get caught the way you know in that in that instance which is kind of a funny story maybe we can talk tell another time um but yeah and man if that program wasn't there if i didn't have the opportunity to to circumvent the standard um you know punishment that a lot of people get instead of uh treatment you know which i think we're all proponents of sure that that's that's unbelievable i mean you know, when I when I read about it in in other cases, it always uh, I don't know it pains me, but it's you know thinking about it now, and and knowing you very well and how long I've known you, and thinking about how you know I don't know I just imagining your your entire life and imagining all of that not happening or happening very differently and and you know possibly negatively. It just uh, I don't know. That's just it's so tragic. If only you had just said no. <laughs> well thank you uh you know i'm appreciative for arrowhead and, and for what earth and fire had created you know because i had that as the resource to help me complete my program and you know i'm also appreciative for emily witt for having written this article in the in the latest new yorker it's it's an awesome article it's well written and i and i definitely encourage you know anybody listening to to check it out it's worth your time yeah, check it out. And also, I think one of the things they um, they do a good job of in the article is mentioning about what what Arrowhead costs to run, and about how they raise money. And and, and I think you know if there's anybody out there listening that wants to uh, you know contribute even the smallest amount to a good cause, Arrowhead is definitely a good place to start. Oh man, there was a cool stat there where they said, in, and I think 2008 or I can't remember which year, but there was a rating like Reddit did a rating of 8,000 nonprofits oh, yeah. in terms of like their value, and it and Arrowhead was number four on the list out of 8,000, 
And it was above uh, NPR. Above NPR. <laughs> so yeah. It's pretty so remarkable. I don't know. Even Reddit thinks it's it's a worthwhile uh, nonprofit, worthwhile venture. They are a tax-deductible 501c3 organization as of, I guess, uh, 2008. So your donations are tax-deductible. So definitely, uh, you know, go to arrowid.org. We should probably give the website address after all this. Yeah, smart. Um, arrowid.org. <laughs> and, uh, and definitely give them some, uh, some money. Send them some donation. Um, you, get, you can even uh, pick some gifts and things. that they, you know, ju- Again, just like NPR, you can get your, like, Arrowid tote bag or... Uh, you know, sweatshirt or t-shirt. Uh, they have these glass molecules that they make that, uh, that somebody makes for them uh, that you can get at certain donation levels and things. So, you know, anything from, you know, t-shirt level donations on up. Um, so definitely a worthy organization to support. And uh, speaking of t-shirts... Speaking of t-shirts. I thought you were going to do that. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave this all in. Um, Remember that we do believe in the fight against cheerfulness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be promoting t-shirts then. Um, Things yeah, upside down. Aside from donating you know, cash to Arrowhead, um, you know, your, your hard-earned uh, drug money, you can also uh, volunteer um, to do things like triage their trip reports and, and stuff like that. I did this at one point a while back uh, for, for a brief period of time. Um, you, know, you, you, can, you get a login and you can read um, some submitted trip reports and you can actually sort of like you know, categorize them and, and review them for, uh, for curation and for posting on the site. Uh, so there's, there's different th- ways you can get involved even besides donations. I'm sure we'll talk to Earth and Fire a little bit more about that, uh, but definitely so, check them out. So if you have a desk job out there, just like Joe used to, you know, <laughs> consider it. That's right. Definitely <laughs> worthy of consideration. And, and uh, speaking of T-shirts, uh, we should promote our own T-shirt um, yeah. after doing this uh, for the last year plus. Um, you know, as we go into season two, we have released a T-shirt just in time for the holiday season. Uh, you can find it at entheogenshow.com. And, uh, and you check it out and there's a few different styles and colors and whatnot, and we'd really appreciate your support. You can order it uh, directly from Teespring and it'll be shipped directly to you in time for Christmas if you live in the U.S. Uh, so check it out at entheogenshow.com. And stay tuned for our interview with none other than Earth and Fire Arrowhead coming up very soon. And thanks everybody for listening.